Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Antichus. He took pig's blood, he smeared it all over the temple and all over the altar, and then he forced the priest to drink the pig's blood. In the last days, we are very clear, if you've been around here in in our study in Revelation or anything that we've done prophetically, we are very, very clear that in the last days, the Antichrist is going to commit what is known as the abomination of desolation or the abomination which causes desolation. What is that, Rodney? In the tribulation period. The Antichrist is going to make an image of himself and he's going to set that image up just like Antichus. He's going to set that image up in the temple. And then he's going to take pig's blood and sprinkle it all over the temple and desecrate the temple, cause people to worship, cause the whole world to worship the image in the temple, the image of himself. We'll talk more about the abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 9. You don't want to miss that. But he's going to destroy all religious writings. In the tribulation, get this, you will not be able to own a Bible. Now, I tell you that, and I mean this, and I'm certainly not being funny. I tell you that because should you be here during the tribulation, I should hope that every person in this room will not be here for the tribulation. You don't want to be here for the tribulation. Some folks tell me, I don't care if I'm here for the tribulation. Yes, you do. You're just stupid right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You, you just don't get it, but you, but you will. You don't want to be here for the tribulation. It's going to be terrible. But should you be here, if you are here, well, then know this. During the tribulation, you won't be here to carry a nice little leather Bible. And wear all your Jesus shirts. You know, because just because people carry a Bible and wear a Jesus shirt does not mean they're a Christian. You understand? Just because I stand at McDonald's and make me a bag of fries. Make me a happy meal. I'm happy, but I'm not a meal. So if you're here during the tribulation, you won't be able to open and read your Bible openly. Let's just say that. You'll be outlawed. You know, it's almost like in this text, God is saying, you know, if you think Antichrist Epiphanies is bad in, in the tribulation, it, you know, it, it's just going to it's going to get worse and worse. And this guy is bad and it's just going to get worse and worse and more is coming down the pike. Look at look at verse 13 again in your Bibles. Six years later, December 25th, 165 B.C., Five brothers decided to fight against Antichus, and they launched an attack, and others joined in with them. If you know your history, you know this is the Maccabean Revolt. And they drove Antichus out of the land of Jerusalem. 
2,000, get this, and you want to hear something that just blow your mind? 2,300 days to the day, the Jews cleaned up the blood that was shed in the sanctuary. They relit the candles, and the people celebrated. Today, this celebration is known as Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, or the Feast of Lights. You'll find that in John chapter 10. Go read that in your own time. So Daniel asks, how long will this desolation last? The Lord says, 2,300 days and the sanctuary will be clean. And it was 2,300 days, September 16th, 171 B.C. to December 25th, 165 B.C., 2,300 days to the day that they cleaned the temple, just like God said. Prophecy is amazing. Amen, saints? Now, this whole thing about 200 or 2,300 days, a lot of controversy A lot of different opinions about it. A lot of speculation about this. Particularly, in the 1800s, there was a man by the name of William Miller. William Miller was a great guy. He was a Baptist preacher. Y'all can tell I'm getting my accent right down here in North Carolina, ain't I? I said Baptist. Did you hear me? I said Baptist. Then when I first got here, I said Baptist. Baptist. Now I say Baptist. He was a Baptist. If I'm getting it, North Carolinian, say amen. amen. Thank y'all. I'm working on it now. Become all things all men. Might win some. So he was a Baptist preacher and um, great guy. I'm sure he was sincere, but I think in this case he was certainly sincerely wrong. So what he did was talking about these 2,300 days. He said, if you calculate from 475 B.C. and count 2,300 years, he counted the days as years. And said, if you count from 475 B.C. and count 2,300 years, that Jesus would return in 1843. When that date setting, wrong, when that didn't happen, he recalculated and said it would happen in 1844. Then there was a lady by the name of Ellen G. White, and 9,000 followers put on white robes. They went and stood up on a hill, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and you guessed it, they waited, and nothing happened. Jesus didn't come back. So they came down and they reworked the calculation. And Ellen and William said what had happened was Jesus came back in the heavenlies. That this actually all took place spiritually, they said. And from this, this movement that came out of this is today known as, do you know, the Seventh-day Adventists. Very interesting. So what does that tell us? Don't date set. People want a date set. People have always wanted to date set. 
People want to jump on the bandwagon. There was a guy by the name of Edgar Wisnett, and he wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. When Jesus didn't come in 1988, he wrote the sequel book. 89 Reasons Why Jesus Didn't Come in 1989. Why is he coming in 1989? And then when that didn't happen, we never heard from him again. I'm thinking maybe Jesus came for him. That's enough of that. So could I, would you indulge me for a second? Let me give you one reason why Jesus didn't come back. Because Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. Hello. Stop it. Fold, stop. Jesus said nobody knows. And if, if he says nobody knows in the Greek language, you know what that means? You're all Greek scholars. I knew it. I've been doing a good job for nine years. You're all Greek scholars. And then, of course, you remember Y2K. Oh, what a fiasco. You remember that? People were freaking out. People were asking me, Pastor Rodney, aren't you going to address the church and teach us and prepare us for Y2K? And I said, no. They said, no, what kind of pastor are you? A good one. You count on that? No, I'm not going to address. And then, of course, people went out and they, they bought generators and they bought beans and sandbags and guns and dug hills. And I read where people were like preparing, thinking that the whole world was coming down and people were going to be raping and pillaging and robbing and all of this stuff. And so people were like thinking that they, one guy said he's going to burn a car on his front lawn and kind of throw trash around and just make the whole place look disheveled and pillaged so that when people come up, that they would already think this place has already been pillaged. We should go next door. I mean, insane stuff. And people were buying these generators, of course, and in the week after Y2K, you could buy a generator for $5 at a garage sale. Remember that? Folks were paying $2,000 for a generator. Next week, I gave you $2.50 for it. Okay, you bought 10 of them, all right. What? Don't get all caught up in all these dates and stuff like that. Jesus said, no man knows the hour. Don't get caught up in dates. Amen, saints? Now, now look at verse 15. And then it happened in verse 15. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning, that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep. That literally means I fainted with my face to the ground. But he touched me, and he helped me stand up. <laughs> and he said, look, I'm making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation for at the appointed time, the end shall be. The ram which you saw having two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. 
And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king, Alexander. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall rise arise out of that nation, but not with its own power. In other words, not in the same power as Alexander. So God sends Gabriel to give the interpretation of what all this means. And at first Daniel looks and he sees someone who looks like a human being, but he wipes his eyes and he looks a little closer and he sees the glory of Gabriel. And and Gabriel said, Daniel, the vision that you're seeing about the ram with the two horns and the goat with the one horn and the four horns and, and, and then a little horn coming out. All of this is, isn't just for the time of Antiochus, but it's also for a time after that. It's not just one event, but a fuller event later on, a dual fulfillment. Well, Daniel fainted in verse 18, and the angel stood him up. Well, then look at verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands witchcraft, sinister schemes. That's what it means, witchcraft. The Antichrist is going to, you know, all this occult stuff that we see in the world today, all of the, um, you know, acceptance of all of the religions and just the world is turning. And I think that all of what we see is in preparation for to receive the Antichrist. You know, John Edwards on TV talking to dead folks. Sylvia Brown sitting up there arrogantly talking to dead people like she's sitting right next to him. And, and perhaps she is talking to dead people. But I'll tell you what, she understands sinister schemes. And so does John Edwards and so does anybody else who involves himself in the occult and the demonology and all of these kinds of things. Saints, stay away from it. Don't have nothing to do with it. Don't read books about it. You don't need to know anything more about demonology than what the Bible has to teach you. Don't feel like you need to know it all because you don't. I have horror stories about people who try to find out about these things and, and they found themselves all caught up in a web of, of evil. Don't even go there. Kids, youth, don't go there. Some of your friends, they got tarot cards and Ouija boards. Uh-uh, don't even go there because that's all setting. See, you understand? I'm just saying that all of these things are, are setting us up to receive the Antichrist. This man's going to understand sinister schemes, which also applies again to Antichus Epiphanes, right? And his power shall, in verse 24, be mighty, but not by his own power. In other words, he's going to be demonically empowered. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity, and he shall even rise against the prince of princes, Who would that be? Jesus Christ. Put Revelation 19 in your Bibles. Go read that in your own time. But, you know, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. But he shall be broken without human means. That's interesting. And the vision of the evenings and mornings, which are told, is true. Therefore, Daniel seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. 
And I, Daniel, fainted flat out and was sick. He was heavy for days. Afterward, I arose and I went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Now, before you close your Bibles, what happens to Antichus Epiphanes, whatever happened to him? Well, he leaves Jerusalem and as this Maccabean revolt, remember, they drove him out. He leaves Jerusalem and um, as this revolt is happening, he goes up to Persia to fight some more. He decides to turn around and head back to Jerusalem. And while heading back, he says, I'm going to turn Jerusalem into the biggest graveyard in the history of the world. He turns his chariot around and heads back to Jerusalem. At that moment, he swells up. Josephus, in his Antiquities, tells us he swells up and he falls almost dead in pain in his chariot. And as he's lying there dying, worms began to eat him alive from the inside out. Now, the reason why I tell you that is because in your Bibles, again, look at it. But he shall be broken in verse 25, the last sentence in verse 25. Are you there? But he shall be broken without human means. So Antichus Epiphanes was broken. He died and no one killed him. Of course, we believe this is the hand of God. People just don't get eaten up by worms every day. I mean, God thing without human means. And when the end comes and the Antichrist comes, the Antichrist will be broken without human means, without a person touching him. Revelation chapter 19. Hold your place in Daniel. Go there real quick. Look at this. Verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Here's another one of Jesus names. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and his head were many were on his head was many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called what saints? The word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with, that with it he should strike the nations. See, the Lord's not going to have to do those big drama to, to, to strike the nations and put them all down. It's just going to be a word. Just like his word is power. Just like that. Just like no problem. Just a word. That's it. You know, you know the movies, Hollywood. They, 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 you know, they make the big thing out of the, in the end times movies and, you know, blowing up stuff and all these things. That's, that's not what the Bible says. God's going to take care of everybody in the end with just a word, a sharp sword right out of his mouth, goes out of his mouth. That which he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. That means quickly, swiftly, justly. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, what saints? 
King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of the heavens, come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all the peoples free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, their name, their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And then the beast was captured in verse 20. Here it is. The beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, 666, and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. You see, Antichus Epiphanes was put down without the hand of man. And so the Bible says here in Revelation chapter 19, there in verse 20, that God is going to cast into the lake of fire the beast and the false prophet. So God's going to destroy the Antichrist without the hand of man. Interesting. And then notice Daniel, flip back over Daniel to to chapter 8. Daniel says, I fainted. I was sick for days. But no one understood it. Did you see that in the last, last verse, last verse, last line? But no one understood it. Now, there are people who have said to me, Rodney, this is why we don't need to teach prophecy in the church. Because no one understands it. Daniel said it right there. Somebody's told me that. Well, that would mean this, that God has revealed something to us that he has no intention of us understanding. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Well, then what are you saying? The reality is all scripture is given by inspiration of God and all scripture is for God's people to understand. That's why we teach prophecy here. We teach everything else. Verse by verse, that's it. Because God has given us his word to understand. And, and, and nothing is to be withheld. And so Daniel says here, when he says that no one understands it, we need to first of all note that the angel just explained it to Daniel. We know that. Daniel was taken back and he didn't know how all this would play out in history. Now, we are one up on Daniel. Because we've already seen part of the fulfillment take place in history. We have the history of Antichus, the madman. Epimanus, the madman. We have that history. And the other part, or the far or distant fulfillment, will play out later when the Antichrist is on the scene. Of which I hope to be gone by then. Amen, saints. So important. What does all this mean to us? Well, we talked about it. We talked about it. Prophecy, what is it? Here's a simple definition. Prophecy is history in advance. We talked about it. Prophecy confounds the critics and comforts the Christian. And the reason why God tells us history in advance is so that we can know his word so that we can see these things are prophesied in, 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 in the past. We can see, uh, you know, the kings and the emperors and the rulers and all of these things are so accurate that it actually it should confirm our faith as believers. 
It should show us like never before as you leave here tonight, as you talk to your friends, you, it should be something that resonates within you that, that God is true and every man is a liar, that, that God is real. That God knows all of the things that happen in the affairs of men. That truly God understands the end from the beginning. And if we serve a God who understands the, 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 the end from the beginning, then how big is your problem? Then what? Does he not know that you have sickness in your body? Does he not know that you need your electric bill paid Friday? Does he not know that your kids are crazy? I don't know. I've questioned it many, many, many times. Does he not know that your husband just left you or your wife doesn't want you? Does he not know? Of course he does. And this is what prophecy is to do. We're we're not to study prophecy to become, you know, prophecy experts, which I don't know what that means. But, you know, we're experts in prophecy. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. We're to study prophecy because prophecy is aimed at directing you to Jesus. Don't ever, ever, ever find yourself becoming a prophecy buff. I don't know what that means either, but no, we don't need to be that. We need to be people who are seeking Jesus Christ and not the Antichrist. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.